It's episode 288 of Crack the Customer Code, and we're about to get our creativity on. Ginny, happy yes. Halloween. Likewise. Happy Halloween. I, I really like your costume. My costume. <laughs> oh, what per se? <laughs> no. To me. I can't even do it, Ginny. I really can't. To me, you look like a podcast host. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're getting desperate now. It's official. <laughs> this is episode 288. It, it's finally, you know, I was hoping we'd make it to 300 before we just ran out of stuff to say. <laughs> but here we are. Halloween is so ripe with opportunities, and yet this is what we have, Gina. <laughs> and what's worse, it's in an episode about creativity. Be a little more it's creative. True. Let's both do that because we have Amy Clymer teaching us how to be creative, and we need to follow some of the lessons learned in this podcast episode. That's true. She has a lot of good techniques and tools and ideas for teams to be more creative. So I think this is one that a lot of people will be able to apply right away to the work that they do. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at creativity and, you you know, I think there's a tendency to look at it as a sort of woo-woo kind of thing that you can't put systems around or can't put processes to. It's just you're either creative or you're not. And, you know, Amy really breaks down that there is a method to the madness and there is a way to make teams more creative, particularly. Uh, and she's cracked that code, if you'll forgive the illusion. Oh, nice. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and jump in and tell people about Amy. What do you think? Let's do it. Dr. Amy Clymer teaches teams to be creative and innovative. She is a speaker, trainer, and coach in creativity, innovation, and team development. Through her company, Clymer Consulting, she teaches research-based practices, tools, and techniques teams can use to innovate on demand. Amy has a PhD in leadership and change from Antioch University and a master's degree in outdoor education from the University of New Hampshire. She is trained or... She is trained or certified in creative problem solving, immunity to change, and the foresight thinking system. She developed the deliberate creative team scale to help teams understand how to increase their creativity. Amy is also the host of The Deliberate Creative, a podcast and blog designed to teach others how to facilitate innovation in teams. In 2016, she won the Carl Ronke Creative Creativity Award from the Association for Experiential Education. Welcome, Amy. We're so excited to talk with you today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Amy, so nice to talk with you. I am sorry I missed you recently. We were, I was in your hometown. I know, but we're going to make up for that at some point. But t- awesome. Today, I want to talk about teams. And you talk about three elements that teams need if they want to foster innovation. And I'd love to know what those elements are and really how they pertain to innovation. Because so so often we talk about teams, we talk about teamwork and just sort of functioning. But I I like the idea of how to make them better at innovation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this model that I have, it's called the deliberate creative team model. And it emerged out of my dissertation research, which I completed last year in 2016. And what I found in my research is that there's these three elements teams need if they want to be creative and want to be innovative together. So the first is they need to have a team purpose, which 
might sound kind of obvious at first. <laughs> okay, it's but, not just me thinking that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> but what's interesting is that um, in, in my consulting practice, a lot of teams could not articulate their team purpose. And I think of team purpose as what's your shared purpose? What's Why does this team exist? Uh, what are your goals? Why are you working together? Why are you a team? And sometimes that's really obvious. Like if you do have a project team like a, or a committee, uh, I almost dread that term, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you have a group that's specifically coming together to solve a problem or, you know, the purpose might be more obvious. But for instance, sometime an executive team, that team often has formed because they think they should and they have never really articulated why they get together. Why do they meet on a regular basis? Um, so having a team purpose, that's the first thing. And, and that, that it applies whether you're trying to be creative or not. If you're just trying to be mm-hmm. effective, that's critical. So the second thing is they need to have strong team dynamics. And this is how the team members interact with each other. And the three that specifically emerged that are most important for creativity are they need to trust each other and that they need to be able to be vulnerable with each other and basically be them true, their true selves so that I don't show up and I'm like faking who I am with my team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trust communication, again, probably one of the more obvious ones, um, that we need to be able to communicate well, but also we need to communicate outside of the team. That if the team is only working within themselves, they actually become less creative because they're not getting any external input or you know, insights. Um, so trust communication. And the third one is called creative abrasion. And creative abrasion is where we can disagree around ideas or how we might do something, but we're not disagreeing around personality or identity. So it's essentially like healthy conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's team dynamics. I like that. That's well, and that's interesting because you know my husband actually worked for a company several years ago, and during the interview process, they actually brought up the fact that conflict was a value of that organization. And the but the when he first said that to me, I was like, oh, what? You know, like, <laughs> you can't work there. That's horrible. And then when he unpacked it and and talked about how. They explained it. It was very much about that creative abrasion, I think is is mm-hmm. what you called it, where they wanted the best ideas. And so they wanted everybody there to know that it was okay to disagree, that it was okay to say, I don't think that's the way we should go. Yeah. And by doing that, it allowed people who otherwise might not use their voice, if they feel like maybe they're not as assertive or aggressive as somebody else in the room, because it was a shared value it was like everybody had the same weight, you know, everybody had the same uh, opportunity to use their voice in that way. And I thought it was really an interesting way to look at it. And the other thing you said that got my wheels turning was think about how many juries don't work because of exactly what you said. Like they know their purpose, but they're, they don't necessarily um, communicate in ways that are equal or powerful or whatever. And they just get deadlocked because they can't get past that communication piece or they can't get past, you know, figuring out how to disagree in a way that isn't about identity and things like that. So I'm just curious, have you done any work with juries or have you looked at that at all? Because it seems like, wow, there are so many problems (laughs) with getting, you know, trials completed because of that. 
You know what? I have not even thought about that example of a jury. And it is such a good example because one of the challenges with a jury is that they, because they, I mean, well, let me back up. One of the challenges with a team in general, and they're trying to develop strong team dynamics is that it takes time, right? Mm-hmm. And there needs to be that clear sense of purpose and some motivation from the team members in order to, you know, they, they need to be motivated to be a part of this team. And with a jury, well, no one's on, very few people are on a jury by choice. <laughs> Usually they're because you know, it's their civic duty and they're selected. And, and there's not any time built in to help them develop themselves as a team, to help them get to know each other and learn how to work better together. They're just expected to just automatically voice your concerns or your opinion, which can be very difficult to do if you don't know the other people you're working with. And especially mm-hmm. if there's very strong personalities in the jury room that hijack and, and there's no mechanism for taming those down as there might be in some organizations. Right. Yeah. And so the, the challenge with the jury, like you mentioned, is entering into something called groupthink. And groupthink is what happens when teams don't disagree or aren't able or willing to disagree with each other. And group, basically groupthink is like, we're just going to go along with whatever idea was presented because we don't want to rock the boat and we don't want to cause any disturbance. And then bad ideas get implemented. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of examples in history. And I'm sure you could come up with examples of your own organizations of where like groupthink led to something not so good happening. Yeah, there, there was actually a really, one of those really cheesy corporate videos that we used to watch in the 90s um, that talked about, I think it was called the Abilene theory. Oh, yeah, Abilene paradox. Yeah, and that's basically what this is, was that this idea that if nobody disagrees, then basically everybody's agreeing by default to something that they no. don't really feel is the right answer or they don't think is the right thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it, it, it can be a huge issue in any team mm-hmm. and the stakes get higher with certain teams, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the classic examples of uh, groupthink is the U.S. NASA Challenger disaster and that there were people who were on that team that felt like, oh, there's a problem that we need to address, but they didn't speak up and people were killed because of it. Wow. Yeah, and there, there's many, many examples like that in in history at this like high level of government, or you know within the within the government, of decisions were were being made in a team, someone didn't speak up, and then people's lives were lost because of that. Um, so yeah, I, now most of us aren't dealing with such high stakes situations. Most of us, uh, you know, if we implement something that's that we felt like wasn't a good idea, you know, I guess maybe the, the organization loses some time or money, you know, trying something that didn't work. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be confused with the idea that, Hey, let's try something to see what happens. That's very different. And that's actually a really good thing in creativity. But what I'm talking about is we, people had a very strong sense that this wouldn't work and they didn't say anything. That's what group think is. Mm. Yeah. And so the creative abrasion is the way around that. It's like, hey, let's have a process or let's get to know each other well enough that we're comfortable disagreeing around ideas. Well, there's also a dynamic with that, right? And, you know, correct me, this is your area of expertise where there's a social conformity aspect to it, correct? Like that, the ash experiment stuff where 
you've got to create an environment where people feel free to challenge or even are encouraged to challenge what maybe the that group think is when they are the outliers, when they're the people that see the problems, like in the challenger example you gave. Mm-hmm. Would you, would yeah, you, absolutely. No, please. I, yeah, I was just talking to a, another colleague today about this concept where when you're when you're designing a team, you're putting together a team. Um, it can be really valuable to intentionally make it a diverse team. Is and diverse in the sense of how people think, what are their perspectives, what are their backgrounds. And but then the problem with that is that the more diversity you have, typically the more conflict you have. And so teams have to learn how to manage that conflict well and how to basically not shut each other down so fast. Um, one of the techniques that I teach when I'm teaching teams how to be more innovative is to use this, uh, this mindset called yes. And, and improv. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As far as I know, it comes from the world of theater improv. And it's this idea that like someone says something or contributes and it. And while your, your gut reaction might be, might be to say, Oh no, no, that's not going to work because of blah, 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 and blah. And instead just, saying, yeah, okay. And tell me more or, you know, just like going with it for a little bit. And it doesn't mean you're committing to it instantly because the idea just came out of this person's mouth. It doesn't, you know, you want to, but the idea is you give it a little time and you play with a little bit and like, let's explore this. What if we did do this? What would that look like? And eventually you might decide, nah, this isn't the right approach. Cool. But at least you talked it through and that person felt like they were heard. The rest of the team saw that whole process and you're more likely to get more good ideas if you have that mindset. Whereas if you shoot things down immediately, yeah, people learn. You know, they watch and learn. They see, okay, those three people just got their ideas shut down. I don't need to share mine. I'm just going to keep it myself. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. So where do you find, that, I don't know what the right word is, maybe the obstacles are on an individual level or maybe from a perspective of layers of the organization. Where are... Where are the hot spots where you need to change some minds and influence some, you know, opinions in order to uh, create these environments? Is it the leadership level? Is it? I, I assume it's at all levels. But where do you really have to focus to you know, make change to change culture around these things? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it absolutely is at all levels, but uh, and and maybe this is because of my lens as I focus most primarily with teams. That's who I usually work with. And so in my research, what I found is that within any team, there's things that, that basically this like idea of input process output, and that there are inputs that the team has that have nothing to do with their interactions as a team. For instance, like I come to the team, my educational background, my expertise, my past experiences, those are all inputs that I'm bringing to the team. But then there's also inputs like from the leaders, like what is the leader that may be not part of the team, like the supervisor that's not part of the team, what inputs do they bring to the team? And then there's the experiences the team members have together and then, and that like the process of them working together. So once they start working together, you know, how do those dynamics evolve? What process, what team creative process are they using? And then the leader also impacts that process. So what I found in like just looking at all the research out there is that the most impactful part of a team's success as being to be creative is their internal process 
meaning the way they interact together and the way they work together has the biggest impact in their ability to be creative. Now, what could happen when you put a team in an organization is that that team may be highly creative and they come up with something amazing. But then the organization says, no, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. And then that's, a, that's where you get into like, okay, is this organization creative or not? So you can have a team that's highly creative, but then their results don't end up going anywhere because the organization isn't open to that. Uh, and there's all sorts of examples. In fact, I, I'm not going to get the company right but uh, the minivan, I, I forgot, I don't know which company first like put it out on the market, but it wasn't the company that it was invented in. The, the, I don't know if it was Ford or Chevy or who, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know offhand. But it was the idea of a minivan was invented in one company and the company said, no, we don't want it. So mm-hmm. those team members went to another company and said, hey, do you want to hire us? Because we have this great idea we're really excited about and, this other, and our company doesn't want to do it. Do you want to do it? They're like, yeah. And so then the minivan was born. It's, there are so many stories about that out of Hollywood, right? Like, you know, they think it's a terrible script and somebody just keeps mm-hmm. shopping it around and then they find the perfect thing and it wins all the Oscars and everything. It's like, yeah. uh, <laughs> the Beatles is a good example. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called the Decca Recording Company. And they said, no, we don't want the Beatles. Their <laughs> uh, guitar music is on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oops. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that guy, whoever said that, you know, probably every night heard it replayed in their head. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So I'm curious if people are listening to this right now and they're thinking, you know, we've got to do better. We've got to do better with our teams. We have to encourage innovation and collaboration in better ways so that uh, everybody's particip- participating in it. That we're, you know, solving these problems in the most creative ways. If if they're out there right now listening, where what can they do today? What what's one step they can take in order to you know, have better teams, have better s- outcomes from their teams, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let me go back to the elements that I was mentioning before. So, there's a third one that I didn't mention yet. So, the first was team purpose, the second was team dynamics, and the third is team creative process. And that is that the team needs to have a creative process that they're using and that they understand how to use that will help bring out their best thinking and their most creative ideas. And in my research, I developed this scale to help measure these three elements within a team. And what I found is that most teams scored lowest on team creative process. And that maybe they had a clear sense of purpose, maybe they were rocking the team dynamics, they loved each other, they worked together really well, but they didn't actually know how to be creative together. And that's what I found in the work that I do. And I teach teams, I teach organizations and teams this process. And I think it's probably one of the easiest and simple things teams can do to get more creative. Um, So I can walk through the process quickly, if that would be helpful. Sure, absolutely. Okay. So the process that I use is called creative problem solving, and it's very similar to design thinking or human-centered designs. There's a bunch of them out there. They're all similar. They all kind of have the same roots. And for the most part, they're all good. Um, Creative problem solving is from, uh, it evolved from the 1940s. It's been evolving for a number of years and has been used all over the world. And the process is very simple. It's based on our natural creative problem solving process. 
And so you start out and you need to identify, uh, you need to clarify what is the problem you're trying to solve and really digging in a little bit and, and trying to understand what that problem is. So, um, let's say, let's say an organization is trying to, uh, improve their customer service and they're just trying to, um, increase the positive feedback from their customers or the positive experiences, not so much the feedback, but what, you know, the positive experiences. So then they really want to dig in and clarify like what's going on, what's currently happening, what are our uh, employees doing, what are our customers, what's their experience like? So they really understand the issue. From there, you generate lots of ideas. With the, I, with the concept that uh, quantity leads to quality. And uh, there's a number of different techniques to generate ideas. I tend to avoid the classic brainstorming. Um, most people have had some bad experiences and might even be a little scarred from that. Uh, <laughs> so I try, to, I try to bring in a bunch of other techniques. So you come up with ideas, you take the best ideas, maybe the top three or four, and you develop them further. And this is where you're really wanting to look at that yes and approach and really trying to like, okay, I don't know about this idea. It might be a little, little wacky, but other people seem to like it. So let's explore it a little bit more. And you're just fleshing it out. You're just looking at, okay, well, what would happen if we implemented this? What do we need to do? Would this actually work? How much would it cost? You're developing it further. And then from there, you actually implement the idea. And that implementation stage would involve like prototyping and you know, testing the idea. Um, and as you can imagine, this process is cyclical. And mm -hmm. so- and it might not even happen in a perfect linear fashion. Uh, you might start prototyping and realizing, wait, wait, we need to go back to ideation. And you might jump around a little bit. But that's the general premise of, of how it works. So I think um, if teams can understand that and mm -hmm. take the time to actually use it, then what happens is they end up just speeding up the entire process and coming up with ideas quicker than they would have if they weren't intentional about that process. Mm -hmm. Intentionality. Imagine that. Yeah, I that's important. This. Well, this I know. Been, <laughs> right, knowing what you're doing. Uh, you know, <laughs> Amy, this has been fantastic. And uh, before we wrap, I do want to ask you a, a sort of personal question. I'd, I'd like you to apply your creative problem solving skills to this because uh -oh. earlier in the interview, you said that we should not have conflict you know, with personalities, just with ideas. So Jeannie and I, we agree on all the ideas, but we just have personality <laughs> conflicts. What are I we, knew it was going there. What I are we it. to do, Jeannie? <laughs> I mean, Amy, what are we to do about this? Well, it sounds like you've actually resolved it in a lot of ways. <laughs> First of all, you even understand you have that issue and yeah. that you could like joke about it and, and, you know, tease each other about it. I think yeah. that's awesome, and that's a big step. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more. Realize it's, he's the problem. I yeah. know. I, I, I married. I, I'm married. Trust me. I know I'm the problem. <laughs> See, there you go. You're on. You're a. I'm on the right track. Huh? <laughs> well, Amy, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, and I, I love what you're doing. I've checked out your website, and it's really uh, it's great stuff. So tell tell everybody, uh, you know, where they can connect with you, how they can find out more, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. You can learn more about me and my work at climberconsulting.com. And that's spelled C-L-I-M-E-R consulting.com. And I also have a podcast called The Deliberate Creative. And on that podcast, I teach teams and organizations how to innovate on demand. Well, we love podcasts, so <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and thank you again for being here. I got a lot out of this and 
you know, I'm, I'm excited to make this little team work a little better. So thank you for your advice. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Y'all thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Amy. Take care. You too. Bye. Do you feel more creative? Absolutely. Janie. I'm I'm already redesigning my Halloween costume as we speak. (laughs) Yeah, I think there are there's so much about teams and collaboration now. And yet a lot of times, you know, exactly what Amy said, people don't know their purpose, or they don't know the best way to communicate, or they have not agreed to really the process that they're going to follow. And so I think taking those three things away and really understanding that that's absolutely necessary for any team um, will help any organization out there really innovate better, be more creative, and ultimately serve the employees and the customers better. You know, I think I've gotten some, uh, a cre- some my creative juices have been flowing here throughout this. And I think what I'm going to do is as I go around asking for candy tonight. Uh-huh. As gonna, you do. As I do, of course. Uh, <laughs> in costume, as you know. I'm going to say treat or trick. Instead of trick or treat. Because if you say it that way, the trick's sort of like a threat. It's like treat or <laughs> trick. <laughs> you can give me that treat or trick's so, coming. Everybody in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Beware. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Halloween is upon us here. So go have a good one. And thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, check out C-Suite TV. In-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs, all on demand. Get insider secrets by going to csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.